All right, who's excited to be in church this weekend? Come on, come on. Well, hey, welcome to Faith Promise Church. My name is Pastor Zach Stevens. It's an honor uh, to be here this weekend. I'm so excited about what God is gonna do. But hey, if you're new or if you missed last weekend, there has never been a more important message for you to go back and watch and or listen to. If you missed last weekend, Pastor announced that I will be accepting the unbelievable honor of succeeding him as the next senior pastor of Faith Promise Church, which we're thrilled about. We are so, we're just honored. Um, it, it's, it's odd that whenever you've grown up being in a place, serving a place, loving a place to get that sort of privilege. But I wanna make sure we're on the same page. Pastor is not retiring, he is repositioning. That's right, pastor's not retiring, he's repositioning. He'll be here walking with us. Uh, he is not going anywhere, whatever you call him, Dr. Uh, Stevens, Pastor Chris, or as we learned last weekend, Dr. Big Daddy is the title he's really after. Um, but hey, what a man of God he is. What a couple my mom and dad are. I'm so proud and honored, not only that they are my, have, have been are my pastors, but they're my parents. I love them so much. Back in 2019, when dad first started talking to me about being considered for this role, a big part of that conversation was the vision. Where did I see God taking faith promise? What did I see God become, like building this church to be going forward? And after literally hours of prayer, months of meetings, years of preparation, and not just the last two or three years, but I'm, I'm 33 years old, 33 years of preparation, what we've been learning about this month in our vision and our values is what God has been and continues to reveal to me and to my wife, Rachel, that the vision of our church is to win the world by equipping Christ followers to win their world, starting, starting with 1% of the state of Tennessee. Now we know exactly what that means. That's not pie in the sky. 1% is 66,000 people. That's gonna take 109 campuses, the average 600 in attendance. That's gonna take 3,324 uh, groups. That's gonna take two, or, uh, 840 staff members. I mean, we are planning towards where we feel like God has called us to. And the passage that pastor shared last week was and is a cornerstone that God has been using to mold this direction. All year long, we've been challenging promisers and ourselves to be transformed, right, in your life and in the life of our church and the life of faith promise, it would be transformed. Now make no mistake, just like my dad, I plan on every Monday, no matter what happens on the weekend, to faith, place faith promise in the hands of God. This is his church. It'll stay his church because we know that the hands that hold you. But the passage that pastor shared last week, 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, is massive to who God has called us to be. It outlines it so well. And so what I wanna do is I just wanna take a moment to read it, but here's what I'm gonna ask. 
I'm going to ask that every time we hit the word win, that you say it out loud. You say it as a bold declaration on all of our campuses because God has called us to win the world. So every time we hit the word win, I want you to declare it. So this is Paul writing, and he says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. He's given up his rights to as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. To the Jews, to those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not, am not under the law, so as to those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, as to those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To the weak, I have become all things to all people so that by all means I might save or win some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. This is biblical. This is who God's called his church to be. So the final value that we're gonna talk about this week is win your world. This is who God's called us to be. And we believe the only way to win the world is for you to win your world. And to do that through a lifestyle of loving God, loving people, discovering and walking in your purpose and leading you to win your world. We really do believe that these values will lead to personal, personal, family, campus, corporate, and state revival. That's what we're asking. Even beyond that, national revival. We believe that this flywheel of faith, listen, this is big, is going to be Faith Promise's kingdom contribution. What's that mean? There's a church called Hillsong and they've done worship for so long. There's a church called Life Church. And if you have the Bible app on your phone, the Version Bible app, some of these things that churches have done, they've created a kingdom contribution that shifted church history. And if God holds off for another 100 years before he comes back, I pray that faith promise that there's a move of God that started in East Tennessee where people said, my most important thing I do is to win my world of Jesus, that this would be our kingdom contribution to see revival that our nation so desperately needs. And one of the ways that we will know if we are winning the world is we will live to hear well done. That's the statement, that's the sentence that goes with that value, we live to hear well done. But hey, listen, faith promise, you know it and I know it. It's time to ante up. This is a huge moment in this movement to win the world. Because listen, what we don't want, when it comes to winning, we do not want anyone lost in the shuffle. There's a, a, a passage I'm gonna read to you in Acts chapter five, and it's a little bit of an odd passage. Um, and may, maybe you've read it, uh, and I'm gonna read you 10 verses. Some of you guys are behind on your Bible reading. I'm gonna help you catch up a little bit here in a second, okay? Um, but there's this passage in Acts five that can seem a little odd, and, but I think it's very important for this moment. God keeps bringing me back here. Now, what I want you to know and why it's important is this is when the church was starting. The church was starting to form. This is the beginning. This is the start. And God really cares how things start. 
So in Acts 5, right, uh, verse 1, it says, A man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. When his, uh, with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and it kept for yourself some of the money? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? Hey, it wasn't that God expected him to give every dime, but he wasn't allowed to lie about it. So it, it wasn't the money at your disposal. You could have done whatever you want. Why are you lying to the Spirit of God? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Listen, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Then great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Young men came forward, wrapped up his body, carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price that you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the Holy Spirit? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she, uh, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. And you may think, Zach, why are you sharing this with me? Think about this. Something happened to Ananias and Sapphira's hearts. Their priorities shifted. Their passions got played. But, it, but listen, and hey, that's happened to all of us. But this is the beginning of the movement of the church. God really prioritizes that. Ultimately, they tried to not only bluff people, but they tried to bluff God. And just like that, a pair of potentially powerful people were discarded, never to be used to their greatest purpose of winning their world. Why do I bring this up? Why do I make this a big deal? It's something called the principle of the first. You may say, Zach, I've heard you talk about like you're talking to your, your, your eight-year-old daughter about uh, homosexuality and about pornography, and wh wh about sex. Why would you do that? I want to write the narrative. And not, not, not me, but what God says. Not some goober on the bus. Me. God's word, right? So if my daughter's, if we'll clap for my daughter's worldview, how much more so does the movement of God's church matter? And so what I want us to know is that God is starting a new movement at Faith Promise. And it so matters to God how it starts. What we do, how obedient we are. Because listen, I, I believe to the core who I am. God's blessed. We have 12 campuses. It's amazing. If we're not obedient, God will take his hand of favor and he will find someone who's willing to win the world, it has to be us. Let's pray and ask God to transform us today. God, we love you so much. God, I gave you this message. We give you our worship. We give you everything. And we ask that today we would never be the same. God, please transform us, transform us, transform us. Lies that we believe for years, habits that we've had, transform us, transform us. Holy Spirit, we are humbly asking you to move in a way we've never experienced. In your precious name we pray, amen, amen. Well, hey, I wanna welcome you to Faith Promise. If you're a guest, you're a gamble to join us for a church. Can we welcome our first time guests here? We're so glad you're here.
Listen, we want to add value to your family. We want to equip you to win your world. That matters so much to us. Hey, just to be really intentional, we specifically want to equip you through our Purpose podcast. And there'll be a QR code on the screen. But what we want to do is we've created podcasts to go with really almost every message. And so, but what it's for is to help you take it deeper into your life to apply it. This is not about checking a religious box off, but moving relational men and women of God towards winning their world. So my wife and I take time to do that for the express purpose to equip you with your purpose to win your world. Another amazing opportunity to uh, be equipped is we wanna equip you to connect you, protect you, and grow you. And one of the best on-ramps for that is going to be getting into a group. Listen, the net, we have some groups starting with a curriculum that we've created called Equip to Win. If you're not in a group, this is an amazing time to start. It's an eight-week commitment. You do not wanna miss it. You can go to the QR code. You can write it on the, on the communication card. We'll reach out to you. But listen, do not fold on your purpose like Ananias and Sapphira. Listen, the first lie that they told wasn't to the church. It wasn't even to God. It was to themselves. So do not lie to yourself that you don't have purpose. Do not lie to yourself that God's not gonna use you. Do not believe that lie. So what is the play? How will we live to hear well done? Again, we wanna equip you, so we're gonna make it really, really practical. How will we live to hear well done? How will you win your world? We will live win-win lives. We will live win-win lives. What does that mean? Those are acronyms, W-I-N. W-I-M. The first one is who is next. We will wake up with a who is next mentality. Who is next for me to affect for the kingdom? And next for you as a man of God or a woman of God, what is next? What has God called me to next? What step of obedience has he called me to be and to do? We will live win-win lives. Who is next and what is next? And again, we, are, we mean it. We're going to equip you, so we've actually taken time to create a whole deck of culture cards. Now, just, just so you can see and know like how, how much we mean it, there's 52 cards, because there's 52 weeks in the year, but if you go to card 24, it says, we lead people to what is next and who is next in their world. Now, listen. This right here, you can see there's a QR code on there for, to give you stuff throughout the week to equip yourself, to disciple your family, to move you, to be all God's created you to be, to win your world. And you may say, Zach, how do I get a deck of these cards? You join the winning team. This, this is not something, this is a pay to play. We want you to have ownership. So you go to Next Steps, which starts next week at six o'clock at all of our campuses. You go and as you graduate, if you're already on a winning team, we're gonna give you some of these. Listen, the reason I'm talking about all these things is we are starting to build ourselves around equipping you to win your world. It so matters to us. It so matters to us. My prayer is that God would open up this weekend your head, your heart, and your hands towards winning the world to Jesus. I'm praying for a supernatural breakthrough this weekend. We need God to move, and that means that we need to make our move too. Dad and I are convinced we are not waiting on God, but God is waiting on us. 
for us to be obedient, amen. That's what God's waiting on, I'm telling you. I love what John Maxwell says. He has something called the law of the picture. And it says, we produce who we are, not what we teach. I wish it was gonna be a great sermon, this sent revival, but it's gonna be whenever the 10,000 plus people who call faith promise their home, they get over not just teaching something, but being something. Listen, there are so many places in the Bible that we could go to to highlight winning the world to Jesus. But what I wanna do is I wanna start with what Jesus had to say. Because Jesus wants us to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Actually, that statement of hearing well done, that's not something that we came up with. It's actually straight from one of Jesus's sermons in Matthew 25. And in Matthew 25, which is, which is the passage I'll use today, Jesus tells three separate parts. There's three, the chapter's broken up into three different sections, but all of them highlight having a win the world focus. The first one, they're called parables, and the first one is the parable of the 10 virgins or the bridesmaids, which I believe God has spoken to me and wants you to know that is about preparation. Preparation, or where is your head at? What are you thinking about? The second parable is the parable of the talents, which is about activation, your hands. What are your hands doing? And the third one, which I do not believe is a parable, I believe it's a reality, is the sheep and the goats, which is about separation, about your heart. What's it committed to, right? So head, preparation, hands, activation, heart, separation. The first part of Matthew 25 talks about 10 virgins or 10 bridesmaids. And let me ask, listen, where is your head at? What are you thinking about? What do you care most about? Because what we find in this parable is that people can miss it, even people who think they're looking for Jesus. See, these bridesmaids or these virgins in this time, they, since they were bridesmaids, it was their job to usher in the groom but they fell asleep and half of them ran out of time. They ran out of oil in their lamps to usher in the groom. And I'm concerned there's a lot of people at Faith Promise. We're not worried about other churches. We're not worried about other Christians. We're responsible who God's called us to be, that you said at some point in your life, God, you're the Lord of my life, but you have fallen asleep. And right now, God's waking you up. Do you have any oil in your lamp to show the world where the groom is, which is Jesus? It's about preparation, are we prepared? You may say, well, Zach, uh, well, just theologically, is, is, do those five virgins, have they lost their salvation? I love you, it's none of your business. Your business is, where's your head at? What are you thinking about, man of God, woman of God? Are we preparing the way for the bridegroom, Jesus? The second part, of Matthew 25 talks about the talents. And this is the part right here where we really need the Holy Spirit to infuse us and move us. This is the talents. This is about activation. Let me ask you, what are your hands doing? This is big. See, in Matthew 25, 14, and, and in this parable, the master is God, the servants is us. In Matthew 25, 14, he says that he entrusted them with his wealth. Here's where we need to start. I think a lot of us don't believe that we've been entrusted with his wealth, and that's just not true. 
And I can show you all over scripture how that's not true. But let me point this one out to you because this is, this is so key to who God has called us to be. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19, listen to this. It says, therefore, anyone who is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Now that's a gift in itself. That's amazing that God would wash our sin away and make us a new son and daughter. That, that would be enough, but there's more. It says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. That means reconciliation means to make right. So we had sin in our life, and with that sin, we couldn't be in relationship with a perfect God, but when Jesus died for our sins, he reconciled that debt, he reconciled that issue so we could be in relationship with God. That, that would be amazing, that's amazing. He's given us a new identity, he's reconciled our relation with God, but it gets even better. I want you to get it. Listen to this, this is what he gave you who reconciled him to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now listen, some of you have kids that are far away. What would you do to get them back? You do anything, you do anything. And what did Jesus give you? What you who are saying you don't have a purpose, you who say God wouldn't tell you to do anything. Well, the Bible says, not the world, but the word says you've been given the ministry of reconciliation, which that's the ministry of taking God's kids, his prodigals who were lost and bringing them to God who desperately loves them. The ministry of reconciliation has been given to us that God was reconciled to the world to himself, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of winning the world to God, a special. When you keep on going in that parable, this is, this is big. Some of us don't believe that we've been given his wealth, but biblically it's just not true. Let me tell you something else the devil lies to us. In verse 15 of Matthew 25, the master counts out talents or bags of gold to give to the service. To one he gave five, to one he gave two, to one he gave one. And let me tell you this right here, here church. Comparison kills the calling to win the world. It kills it. We look so much around at what others have and what we don't have, we never look at what we have, which I just told us. Not me, the word just told us we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Hey, listen, most card games, winning doesn't require having the best hand because the best players know how to play the hands they are dealt. This is huge for us, Faith Promise. For 27 years, we have been obsessed with people who are far from God. And we're gonna continue to do that. But there's another layer, another value that God has started to place as I and you have been developed and discipled by mom and dad. There's another deal, and this is right here. What keeps me up at night is people who know Jesus with nothing to show Jesus. That bothers me. And listen, if that's the life that you're living, you're gonna hate it here. Hate it, because here, you could not come, and I, I would hate that, but I'm, there's no way I'm gonna stand before God, and we're gonna lead a church that you could sit in and know Jesus and have nothing to show Jesus. It's just not who we're gonna be. 
one of my friends on staff who I love so much and the staff, we're, we're never going to ask you to do something that we're not doing. So the staff is required to do their best to share their faith at least once a month. And one of the, one of the staff members, we're gifted differently and, and, uh, and, and he was asking me, I was helping him do it. And he was like, Zach, what do you think about whenever you're starting a, a conversation to share your faith? And, I, and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, I'm not thinking about anything. He's like, well, that's not helpful. And I was like, I get that, you know? And, uh, and so for him, it was just a little harder, but he started something called text message evangelism, where in his quiet time, he prays all week and then he spends time and prays and asks God to move. And he texts three people who don't know Jesus. And he shared his faith in person three times this year because he's not gonna stand before God and say, I'm so sorry I didn't win my world. I don't have the same gifts that Zach does. I don't think Jesus is gonna be okay with that. See, with those servants in Matthew 25, there's three servants. Two of them, they, they, they were, they were, there were two plays. Two of them heard, well done, good and faithful servant. But the last one, the last joker, the last servant, he did not follow suit and he heard you wicked, lazy slave. And just like Ananias and Sapphira, the pair in Acts, he too was discarded and missed out on everything that God has for him. Listen, this is not about putting your best poker face on on Sunday. This is not for show. This is not a bluff. That is what Ananias, Sapphira, and this servant missed. We live to hear, well done. That is our ace in the hole. Let me tell you this, man and woman of God, please. Busyness will not buy you a well done. Effort does not afford you a well done. What do I mean by that? Listen, I do not believe that that third slave in Matthew 25, the, the middle parable, I do not believe he was lazy as we think about lazy. I don't think he was. He dug a big hole and buried all this master's money. And then it says the master was gone for a long time. So this guy lived for a long time. He obviously had a job because he didn't come back and use this money. He was fine. He was going to work. He had friends. He was doing all this stuff. And then he saw the master coming, went and dug up all this money and said, here, here master, take what is yours. He wasn't lazy because he didn't work. He was lazy because he didn't work on the master's work. What a bummer would it be to have a full 401k, send all your kids to college, be well-liked, coach their ball teams, and hear wicked, lazy, slave. How much of what we do that our hands are activated towards is building the kingdom? Zach, this is your first message as the uh, potential senior pastor here, man. What are you doing? Well, the last part of Matthew 25 is about the sheep and the goats. It's about separation. What is your mind and everybody's heart given towards? There will be a day, it talks about it in Matthew 25. I don't have time to read it to you right now, but in Matthew 25, there will be a separation from people who know Jesus on his right and people who don't know Jesus. There will be a day when the deck of humanity is cut, split, between those who know Jesus and those who don't. What else matters? 
This is not a time for bluffing, for folding, or for falling short. And can I just tell you, listen, this is a time for belief. It's a time for breakthrough. And he wants to, and he will use you if you'll just be obedient. I love what Revelation 12, 11 says. It says, we will overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb, which is Jesus' salvation, and the word of our testimony. So right here, we're at a place where we can decide to be obedient or not. Let's watch this testimony and decide to be obedient. I'm Heather Linhart Wallace, and I found Faith Promise several years ago in a snowstorm. I was going through some things in life and decided that I needed to go to church and I found one that I wanted to go to and it was at a later time so I grabbed some breakfast and I went to the parking lot at the Expo Center. When I was sitting there I realized that the Expo Center there was a sign that said Faith Promise Church. I went in at the 11 o'clock service and I fell in love. I decided that was the church for me. After attending the first week or two I decided that I liked it so much I wanted to see what I could do was serving. I found a spot in FP Kids serving as the third grade small group leader. And that's what helped give me the confidence to know that I could be a small group leader too. So I started a small group with women and I lived on Morning Glory Road. So we decided to call ourselves the Glory Girls. We did life together. We had a lot of things that we experienced together. We all grew. And there are just a lot of relationships with those ladies that I still have today that have made me the person that I am. But the interesting thing was my family started to notice the change, my daughter in particular. She just had this like whole new glow about her. She had a small group and she had all these lady friends and she would talk about them all the time and it was a whole new life for her, but she was happy and she had this whole new demeanor about her. However, even when she would invite me, I would, Sundays were my days off. It was the day that I had to rest. I didn't want to get up early and go to church. So most of the time my kids would spend the night with her on Saturday night so I could sleep in on Sunday and they would go to church and I would see them after church. Haley had some things going on in her life and I urged her to lean into God, that God can move mountains. The Glory Girls, uh, would always do our prayers at the end. We would hold hands sometimes, uh, but we always wrote our prayers down. We wrote them in a book. For a long time, my prayer would always be for Haley to come to know God, to have a relationship with Him. So I was a waitress at Nick and Jay's Cafe, and I worked literally six o'clock in the morning until almost four o'clock in the afternoon, Monday through Saturday. One day, a promiser had came in and asked me, as I was getting their drink order and their food order, how he could pray for me as they blessed their meal. And I was in shock, honestly. Nobody had ever asked me that. And I remember saying my finances and for my kids. Truthfully, I kind of was just hoping for a big tip. But thankfully, God had more in store than that. That is when Haley finally started to put her faith into God. She started coming to church. I remember it was a Mother's Day, and she said, Mom, I think I might start coming every week. 
And it was then that she really dove in and got to learn more about God for herself. I was able to call all those ladies and thank them for their prayers for all those years that Haley finally came to know Christ and was baptized. Truly, it was all a God thing because then I'm also in church now. My mom's small group just prayed, you know, and she had told me that she was praying for me to come to church and to look back now, how much that prayer really did mean to me and how much it helped. It's amazing. Because my mom stumbled across Faith Promise at the Expo Center and found her small group and the consistency she had with praying for me and inviting me to church and then a stranger praying for me. Now I'm sitting here talking to you as a Christian and I wanna make the same impact that she did on my life. It's amazing. Faith Promise, I'm telling you, not only can you do it, you're called to do it. It's your purpose. It's what God created you to do first and foremost. Before you're a husband or a wife, a mom or a dad, a friend, a professional, you are a son or a daughter of the Most High King called to win your world. And so right here, what we're going to do before our campus pastors come up, and this may make you a little uncomfortable, but that's okay, because I'm going to pray you get really uncomfortable this week as you use it. But in your seat, there should have been a, a show some love card, a card that says, God loves you on it. And we're gonna ask you to use that card this week as you go out to eat or as you buy coffee, whatever it might be. I'm gonna ask you to hold it in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, lead me to who needs your love. And I'm telling you, I can't tell how many people have been healed, have gotten saved, have been, had crazy restoration just over asking that question, hey, how can we pray for you before we eat today? And so my word for the year is anointing. And I believe that God has called not just me, but our church to have an apostolic anointing. An apostle means a builder or a sender. And I believe that God has called me and our church to build and to send Christ followers to win their world. So if you would take that card and if you would just place it like this, I'm gonna pray that God right now, that he would pour boldness into your life, into your hands, and he would activate your hands towards what he's called you to do. Romans 1, 5 says, through him, grace cascaded to us, empowering us with the gift of apostleship so that we might win people from every nation unto the obedience that comes from faith to bring honor to his name. God, I come before you right now and I pray as people are holding their hands out and they're holding these cards, God, that you would transform us. God, some of us have never shared our faith in our life. This week, God, I pray that all of our campuses would be full. God, that we, we have to add services as you equip people to win their world. God, that God, you will make a way. I believe it'll be so crazy that only you can take credit for it. God, we beg you right now, Holy Spirit, fill people with boldness, cast out lies, put the helmet of salvation on their heads, on their heads so tight they wouldn't hear the lies and the rumors of the enemy, but they'd be sent out to win their world. Put the feet of the shoes of the gospel on their feet as they go home, as they go to work, as they go to the grocery store. God, and let the gospel spread. Let the world be one to Jesus. God, you're the only hope that we personally have. Have, our family has, our state has, our nation has. It's only you. Fill us. Send us to win our world. In your precious name we pray. Amen.